Oh my God, you guys. Dayquil. Have you ever had honey flavored NyQuil? Oh no, I had honey flavored Robitussin and it was really bad. You know how how honey has a little bit of like funk to it? Mm Mm-hmm. It is only, it starts off funk. funk. It's all funk. It's like, it's like the roots or something. It's all funk. Um, (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 207 of the Erasable Podcast. So quick time check. Today is February 12th, 2024. In exactly one month, this podcast will be 10 years old. Yay. That's amazing. So. I'm Donnie Gamber. I'm joined by my favorite Left Coast co-host, Andy Wellfleet. And in real life, I'm joined by my other co-host, Tim, who is hey. here in Baltimore for work. I mean, he came here just for this. We're sharing a bench. <laughs> We're sharing a mic, too. It's I'm so cozy. jealous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, this is the only time, I guess, besides when we did the, yeah. the in-person one with all three of us that any of us have recorded with the other one in the room. Yeah. And we didn't share a mic then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're holding mics and handing them around the ring and everything. Yeah, so, I hope, hopefully you guys are practicing safe mic sharing. Yeah, I only licked it twice. Okay, so. cool. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's fully in Johnny's mouth right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we get started, Andy has a couple little um, pieces of information, and then cool. we'll jump into Tools of Trade. So do Perfect. you want to update folks? Um, well, first of all, I want to say like, just so we're recording video for this. So people on the Patreon can, can see some video and I'm so jealous, just like looking across, across the world at both of you guys sitting in the same room. So that's really cool. Um, Which you were here, Andy. Oh, well, let me get on a plane real quick. So I have an, an <laughs> icon right here. Yeah. <laughs> just just hold them up. Totem. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so one thing I wanted to mention is, uh, last episode. I heard, so I guess it's actually really good to hear that a bunch of people listen to this show because uh, the uh, got lots of feedback that the audio for the last episode was bad. And you are right, it was very bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is because uh, we had a couple, a couple audio hiccups and we couldn't uh, get everybody's track. And for some reason, at the same time, uh, we, got, we captured Tim's audio at a way lower volume. So that was on I, a different microphone. So yeah, and so I ran it through this like this audio levelator um, that Adobe offers, and uh, turns out I had it turned up too loud or something, and it was just gating the audio really bad. It was real choppy. So apologize about that. Um, you have my personal commitment that we will get a lot more kind of like rigid about how we record and make sure that it's coming in a good quality because I'm excited that like again people apparently listen to the show still so. After 10 years. So yeah, people, people gave me that feedback and I appreciate it. Um, I also wanted to mention, um, I did get another couple pieces of feedback. So last episode, I just sort of like casually just put it out there that I got laid off from my job and I got COVID and people were like, you kind of just like said that and then just moved on and like, are you okay? (laughs) And by the way, I'm kind of hoarse right now because now I have a cold. Uh, that's led to just some really kind of gravelly Kathleen Turner-esque voicing. Um, but, but yes, I just wanted to let you know, I, I am okay. I, I don't know if I've actually just went out and just mentioned this on the show before, but like 2023 and the last half of 2022 is like pretty crappy in my life. Like 
lots of things happened. I got divorced. I sold a house. I moved into a different apartment and went through two jobs. And so like, honestly, getting, getting laid off from a company that's like mm, going through some stuff uh, was okay. Um, I got some pretty good severance. Um, and, uh, I mean, COVID was absolutely no fun, but like, it was the first time in first time ever I'd gotten COVID. So I felt pretty lucky to have made it that far. So, so please, so thank you for your concern. Thank you for thinking about me. Um, things are getting better and like, obviously we're cold right now. When I cover from this, I'm going to have a real nice February. And then in March, I'm going to start a new job. Um, knock on wood, I'm going to start a, at Microsoft, which is a very large, uh, very large company. Matter is it? Stable. Yeah, just a yeah. little, just a little startup called Microsoft. Um, yeah, and I'll probably mention a little bit in the main topic, but like in a new relationship, that's that's pretty good. So yeah, things are things are getting better here, and I appreciate people's concerns. So yeah, thanks for Hug. thanks for thinking of me. They love Hug. you. We love you. We love you too. I love you guys too. <laughs> I'll do the little Korean Korean hearts if if you guys can see it. Um, never, done, never seen that before. Oh, really? Yeah, it's. I, I don't know if it's actually specifically a Korean thing, but here, let me take mm. a. I stubbed uh, this. Here's a shot. Keep um, I'm trying to get. Okay, that's the. That's the. Uh, <laughs> screen cap. The album art. <laughs> All right. So let's. Uh, yeah, let's move on to the actual episode. Yeah. So we're getting tools to trade, and you can start. Okay. Um, my tools of the trade sounds actually a lot like a fresh points because it's kind of some cool <laughs> things. Um, I just started reading, um, friend of the show, Carol Beggy, um, who I think she's, I think she's a patron or has been before, um, just wrote a book. It is by published by Bloomsbury. It's called, um, pencil, just called pencil. And it's in a series called object lessons which is a series of short, beautifully designed books about the hidden lives of ordinary things. So this is really cool. Um, it, it kind of offers a, just a lesson in temporality and it's kind of about the his, history of pencils. Excuse me. Um, and I just started it last night. So um, yeah, I'll, we'll have a link in show notes if you want to buy your own and hopefully, hopefully we can get her on the show or something to talk about this because it's not every day people write a book about pencils especially when they're connected to our community somehow. So that's really good. Um, I've been off and on reading a book I got that was a Kickstarter um, that I got in the mail. It's called Shift Happens. And it's a book by Marchin Witchery, um, who is a designer. And it is uh, just an amazing book. It's about the history of keyboards, uh, typewriters, keyboards, everything. And it's not just a book. It is a three-volume set that's well over a thousand pages and it was, I bought it on Kickstarter for like $170. It was a lot of money. And then they made extra that they sold for $250 that they sold out in just a few days after they started shipping. So I, I don't know if he'll ever do another run or maybe do an ebook, but it is gorgeous. And he's somebody I've wanted to, he's been writing this book for like four years and I wanted to try to get him on the show um, longer than four years, like probably like eight years. Um, yeah, so Shift Happens, great book. If you go to shifthappens.site and sign up for his newsletter and read his kind of like backlog of newsletter, that's also a really, really great resource if you care about keyboards, which everybody in this room, I think, does. 
Um, Tim, I have one that I need to send you. That's uh, they're going to be doing a, um, a pre-order pretty soon, and they're just amazing looking. So cool! I don't want to yeah. like stoke your, your like, <clears throat> keyboard buying kind of. Oh no! <laughs> very good. I'm due. Uh, yeah, I've been listening to um, just like the rest of the world. I think in the last few days, listening to Tracy Chapman. Cool. Um, yeah. She was recently so on the Grammys um, with Luke Combs, who is a country music singer who covered Fast Car. And I I think I wrote a thing on social media just about how, like, when I was younger, I didn't like Fast Car. And I think it was because there was a lot I just sort of didn't appreciate it then. And as I got older and known some people who have kind of been in similar situations in their life um, about trying to get out of a small town as fast as they can in a Fast Car, like, um, yeah, it's, I've come to appreciate that song a lot more. And I'm also almost certain because Tracy Chapman lives in San Francisco. I'm pretty sure I've seen her before just like walking down the streets. So I'm not That's... sure of that. But I think so. <laughs> um, I assume if I was like, hey, are you Tracy Chapman? She'd probably just say no, get away from me because she's kind of <laughs> no weirdo. Yeah. yeah. But I've been listening to just some of her music a little bit more and <clears throat> she's so great. She's a really good, really good singer. And I've really... I don't care that much about Luke Combs, but I've, he's always been felt just kind of like a fairly middling country singer and his version of like fast cars, like fine, very countryish. but mm -hmm. I do really love, as did the rest of the internet love kind of like the reverence and respect that he just sort of had for Tracy Chapman in that, that Grammy moment. He just like was, I mean, first of all, I'm sure getting a duet with getting Tracy Chapman to come on the Grammys and do a duet was a really hard thing to do. And it sounds like he got rights to do the song because he just has just super reverence for that song and for her. He did it right, yeah. And he did a really just, yeah, great job with it. So that that duet was really great. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid it's going to be the new wagon wheel though because <laughs> um, Passenger did one and Black Pumas did a really good cover of it. Yeah, so I've seen the Black Pumas. I one. feel like it was better than this one. Yeah, but um, yeah, I hope. Well, let's leave it alone now. I was reading about it and a little bit just as I'm sure everybody else was about how like so many people have covered it, like Justin Bieber covered it. Um, but really? people, people have messed around with the verses. And then also a lot of men who have covered it had changed that verse. That's like, you know, I have a job as a checkout girl. They change it to like checkout boy to kind of fit with the, with the gender. And it sounds like Luke Combs uh, was just like, just like, no, leaving it exactly the way it is. Yeah. Thinking it you know, just leaving that piece intact. That's cool. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, that takes, that's, that shows like reverence for the writing yeah. like, to, to leave it as actually, I'm, especially in country music. I'm sure that's something that yeah, well, that's say, he's like in the, the machine, like the corporate machine that is like popular country music. Yeah. He said, he seems like he's been one of the good guys and that sort of like probably hurts him sometimes, you know, like, yeah, not yeah. like a huge fan or anything. I'm not like about to, yeah, he's dump praise on him. I'm just saying, like, that's kind of why he's yeah. like, like, he sort of sounds like them, but doesn't like, yeah, do all the BS that they usually do. Yeah, seems like an interesting guy. So, mm -hmm. that is that's what I'm oh, and I'm writing in a uh, one of the shoot, which field notes is this? The the little the white one that they just came out with. Um, oh, the Birch, Birch Park and uh, writing with a, a pencil that I I an Italian pencil I bought in Japan called a Corvina, which is just kind of a Bic-ish pen. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really, 
it's really nice just to just a mass mass ballpoint, which will we're going to talk a lot more about my Japan trip in the main topic. But that's me, Jim. How about you? Cool. Um, so one book I was going to mention, which now I'm going to bring up first because it like sort of relates, but I I got the audio book for so Philip Norman. I think that's his name. He's like the official. I think he's the official historian of the Beatles, or maybe that's the other guy. I don't know. But he's like, he's, he's done this huge biography of John Lennon that was super popular doing about Paul. I haven't read either of those, but he just came yet. I have them, but I haven't read them yet. They're just gigantic. But he just came out with the one on George Harrison. And I was like, I, I love George Harrison. He's always been my favorite. And so I was like, I'll, I'll check this out. I had a credit on Audible. I started listening to it and it's great. It's super interesting. And my favorite. <laughs> I don't know what this says about me, but my favorite hallmark of a biography is when they don't spend too much time on the childhood. <laughs> it's especially like musicians and artists. It's like, I don't, I don't care. It's Forget like, it. All that trauma's in your music. I know this. Hit the highlights and then mm -hmm. send me to like the part that I'm interested in. But, um, but there's a part in it where they were talking about how the Beatles would play. I forget which club it was because there was a few that they would play these like long stints at, but they would play like eight hours a night sometimes. And one thing they became known for and this is, you know, back in 1961 or whatever, was playing songs by female American artists and not changing the words, like purposefully leaving them. So they'd sing like, you know, Mr. Postman or something like these American R&B songs, and they wouldn't change it to like the male version, huh. which people like love. Like, especially in, in like yeah. when they were playing in Germany and all this stuff. It just reminded me of that when you're talking about like the Tracy Chapman thing with Luke Holmes, like they would leave it as like a female narrator in songs, but being sung by these... <laughs> for liver, you know, liver puddlians. Um, but it's a really good book. So I'm, I'm enjoying that a lot. And I've read a lot of stuff about the Beatles and it's has plenty that I haven't heard before, which is cool. Interesting. It's gonna be hard to write four biographies about people in the same band and not just write the same book. Like, <laughs> like we're like, I'm, I'm curious, maybe yes. I don't know. I've read the other ones, but like, I'm like wondering if 40% of all the books is exactly just like, <laughs> he's like, oh wait, where's that? Oh yeah. Chapter seven. That's chapter three in this book. Yeah. I assume a lot of it is just like framing some stuff because like yeah. the Beatles at this point are, I can only assume it's like the most popular band in the world, right? Like that's probably got to be the case. And there's just like so much stuff, but yet there's so much literature and stuff that just like keeps coming out. So yeah, it's okay. cool that there's stuff in there that you hadn't heard before. Speaking of the other book that I'm reading, it's called The Lyrics by Paul McCartney. <laughs> But, you know, he's never written a memoir and he said in the book that he's like been asked so many times, but he basically decided instead to, uh, do like a blended collected lyrics with like commentary, uh, which I think was a good call and it's really great. And it's with, I'm going to forget the guy's name. It was a poet, Paul, Paul Muldoon, Muldoon, Paul Muldoon. Um, so this poet, basically the two of them met up, I think it was like a dozen times and just talked and he like co-wrote it with him. And they recorded their conversations and then he helped him like write this book based on their conversations. And it's amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's like super simple A to Z alphabetical order through songs and then has like anywhere from two pages to like five pages for each song. But there's a podcast on Malcolm Gladwell's network, Pushkin called, uh, Paul McCartney, life and lyrics and it's excerpts from their conversations. And it's really cool. But like with good production, they play songs in the background and stuff like that. So recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Are you reading any, anything from Ringo or from John? Well, I was actually <laughs> going to mention actually. that like, no, no, actually the other book of me. No, but I was, I was thinking like, imagine being Ringo Starr, right? 
And yeah. the Beatles broke up 60 years ago or something like that, like forever ago, like 50 years ago. And it's like, all right, Philip Norman got these three done. I'm next. It's like, is that ever going to come out? You know, like <laughs> all the biographies of them. That's be weird. I really want to read that because I really want to hear about the Mr. Conductor years. Oh, yeah. Yes, the adoration of March Simpson. You know, that's what more do you need? <laughs> his most popular song was, I think it's like written by George and it was his first single of his solo career. <laughs> <laughs> Photograph it was like the first thing. Um, okay. So moving on from the Beatles, um, I've been listening to, uh, I, met, I mentioned this guy a while ago, MJ Lenderman. He had a really amazing album a couple, uh, years ago called Boat Songs and I actually didn't know this when I found the album and just like fell in love with his album, but they're from Asheville, which is right down the road for me. Um, but he's in a band called Wednesday. It's like this indie band that's kind of like sort of experimental, but not like consciously so. I don't know. It's a rock band. It's like an indie. It's a, they're a rock band. But they just came out with a new album. And their, <laughs> their last album was really great. And the new album is called Rat Saw God. Rats and Saw God. Rat Saw God. Which is very Baltimore reference. Very good. Like he's actually like just the good. He's like the backup singer and guitar player in that band. And then he has his own like, solo thing. He's a female lead singer in, in, in Wednesday. And um, haven't been watching anything new recently. I've been rewatching Shit's Creek and The Bear. They're like, <laughs> I listen to that. It's like used this. a pair of radio hosts. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shit's Creek and The Bear. From uh, Parks and Rec. <laughs> Shit's Creek and The Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, but those are the phrase that Jane and I have adopted from a podcast. They used to do the TBTL podcast when, when it's a show that you can just rewatch at any point, like West Wing or whatever you call it, the Applebee's of the mind. <laughs> like they, they use that phrase, like it's always going to be good. It doesn't matter. Like if you're going to find one, no matter where you are and you're going to like whatever you order, it's going to be. So Shit's Creek and the Bear have entered into my Applebee's of the mind. <laughs> what happens when um, it's like not that good? Is it just like the chilies of the mind? Yeah, I don't know what the it was. The chilies too of the Probably mind? some kind of buffet. Yeah, like, of oh, the old, old country buffet of the mind. Old country buffet of the mind. <laughs> Sizzler of the mind. Golden Corral. <laughs> Golden Corral of the mind. Um, and I am writing with some really delectable paper straps from dying. Uh, I don't even know what all this stuff is notebooks yeah i don't even yeah i don't know what it is but they're yeah. they're nice and i'm using a and you gotta, you gotta give the context i was a dixon oh, ticonderoga i don't know how fast. old they are I've heard they're of just them. after the war though. oh cool they like yeah, you gave it to me the the foil looks like it was green but it's gone half green and half silver mm -hmm. so they're so pretty i have to send you a couple where'd of you get them it looks like a lime green so um davida who does um geography debt a friend of hers sent them to her and was like, give this to the person you know who likes pencils. Like, what? That's the like, best. I don't know who you are, but I want to give you a big hug. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're really nice. <laughs> That's me. What about you? Um, so I haven't watched a lot of TV. <laughs> so um, I can never plug BritBox enough. I get I actually got it from my mother-in-law for Christmas. This episode is sponsored by BritBox. <laughs> BritBox. <laughs> they should. They should sponsor it. Um, <laughs> There's a series on there called um, Blue Lights. It's like one of those um, very gritty, lots of F-bomb um, British cop shows, but it's set in uh, West Belfast. So it's like 
Isn't the like, Tom Selleck show? Sure. <laughs> my dad's like, oh, like Blue Blood? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, I think in America, if you did the stuff they did the cops, they would shoot you in the face, which they don't do in this show, which I appreciate. But like, they'll notice you're not wearing a body cam and punch you in the face or like throw all kinds of things at your cop car because they can't. Like, okay. But um, it was really, really good. It was one of those, you know, before season one was finished airing, they already upped it or re-upped it for season two. So, like, super good and addictive. Um, we also watched the most recent Shetland recently. And, um, oh, what a, oh, of course, um, All Creatures Great and Small. Oh, yeah. Which had, like, two episodes that made me cry. Sad face. I don't want to talk about it. But, um, so did, I think did they a, say Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Was that the, no, it was Helen. No, they didn't. Helen made a uh, crying face. Died a horrible day. She was oh, a very no. strong character. And when she made that face, I was like, no, 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 everything's not going to be okay. She's the best. But, um, I think I've talked about the YouTube channel called Hado ADHD. It's been around mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, they, or they, the lady in charge, Jessica McCabe, wrote a book recently that came out. I think it's already um, a New York Times bestseller. And um, the big deal is it's written with ADHD in mind. So like the... It's four pages long and just it's, in bold print. It's, it's really big. I have so ADHD. Satisfying. You told me about that show multiple times and I just had to write it down again because I have ADHD. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, how does ADHD? Like that, she breaks the text up a lot, and like mm. it's organized, and she tells you how it's organized. She's like, "Remember, it's organized this way," and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like white space between the lines. Yeah, um, like, and you know, if you have ADHD, mm-hmm. you like that dopamine hit. So you're like, "Holy crap! I just read a chapter and a half no, an hour." It's like, like <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things too, though. It's like it's good for people with ADHD, but it's also good for everyone yeah like, yeah you know, like it, when you organize like that accessibility low vision just like all sorts mm-hmm. of things yeah and the, um you know a lot of the adh books are written by uh, doctors and they get they you know you try not to get technical but they're researchers so it just mm-hmm. happens that way and then they're like looks like i don't know what's the adh equivalent of um girl interrupted that's like this is what happened and it sucked but this is you know this is the difference it made in my life. This is some research. Here's some pointers for you. Um, and she's a really good writer. So <laughs> definitely worth picking it up. Plus, it's big and it makes you feel good for getting through it, even though I've got through it all the way. But um, yeah, and my only other fresh point or whatever we're doing right now is to plug the Made in Baltimore store, which is coming back next Friday or <laughs> whatever the What's 23rd that? is. So, um, they do a holiday pop-up at Made in Baltimore store. It's a nonprofit that promotes um, Baltimore businesses. So hmm. like very small businesses like bookbinders. I was going to say, the, are we going to see a certain local bookbinder at that store? Yeah. I've been right. in the last uh, two holiday pop-ups, but this one is at Harbor Place, like the famous Harbor Place, which is deserted, which is why it's there. But um, it's going to be there until June. It's really cool. Nice. And so if um, anybody's in the Baltimore area. Yeah. There's a lot of like jewelry, food like coffee, soaps, like all kinds of really cool stuff. Hmm. So I have to make 75 books by Friday because I overcommitted. <laughs> but it'll be okay. But um, yeah, definitely check it out and, you know, give some patrons to Harbor Place because I don't know if you follow the news, but New Harbor Place was like that started everybody rejuvenating their waterfronts. Like, oh my God, in the late 70s. Even like mention all the Simpsons, like eat your heart out, Baltimore. We've got Squidport. But, um, 
you know, it's become deserted. So it's nice the stuff's there. There's a big, you know, redevelopment plan that's controversial that we won't go into. But yeah, if you're in Baltimore, definitely check it out. Cool. And, you know, look for some handmade notebooks there that are, um, some of them made out of computer disks. Oh man, that is so cute. I got to make 30. Where did you find those floppy disks? My dad's garage. I sent him two packs mm. of multicolored. What ones. happens if you stick that in the computer? What are you going to find? Uh, they were blank. They were new. Oh, okay. Blank. But I did find some that were not new. <laughs> I don't know what on them. Speaking yeah. of uh, speaking of floppy, I did not want to say anything, but it's such a good transition. Tim, you're looking a little floppy over there. No, this is just that trick that you do when you're a kid where you like. Oh, yeah. See, I'm just really good at it. Um, <laughs> we're uh, good at it. <laughs> if you're listening and not watching, Tim is uh, <laughs> flopping around a pencil. This is the other thing that Johnny laid out for me for the podcast <laughs> today, which is the worst writing pencil that's ever been created. Maybe it is that yeah. why you he put it there next to a Ropex. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you just they told him with a with a Ropex. Okay. It's one of it's one of those like kind of rubbery pencils that have like, like graphite in the very tip, right? Like, uh, yeah, that's a good question because well, I don't think so because the whole thing was bendy in the graph. Even like the the graphite part is bendy. Oh, yeah, they came with like some um, invisible ink pens, I think. Like, uh, I never okay. even buy them on purpose. Mm-hmm. I found yeah. them sitting around. It's, and I was like, oh yeah, so we have these things. Impossible to. Yeah. Well, Tim, they make just, a pill that'll just clear that right up. So. <laughs> You've been podcasting you know, for a while. We're getting old. <laughs> they should do branded Cialis pencils. It's a it's a perfectly normal thing that happens in every podcaster's life. Every pencil's life. This is called an expired pencil. That's what that yes. is. Eventually, they yeah. <laughs> pencils forever. My ass. Oh, hold on. I'm t- taking a taking a screenshot of this. Oh, okay. Perfect. Mm. <laughs> So for our episode tonight, our main topic, what we wanted to do was to grill Andy about his trip to Japan and ask him lots of questions, you know, as we do sort of NPR style. And it just so happens that Tim is here. So it's really like we're ganging up on on it. (laughs) So it sort of works out. So um, if Andy's okay with it, we just jump in. Yeah. So I'll go first. Okay. Um, So folks might be asking why Japan and stationary together makes for such a wonderful cocktail of awesomeness. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about what stationary culture is like in Japan and why, you know, stationary is something in Japan that people pay a little more attention to than they do here. Yeah. Yeah. So first I'll mention, um, I think I mentioned the last episode, but I just spent two weeks in Japan. I went, um, with my girlfriend in, uh, we first went to Niseko, which is a small skiing town in kind of North Japan. And, uh, not much sort of stationary stuff there. Um, but just like, just really snowy, really good for skiing. I'm a terrible skier, but I did it for half day and then loved, loved me in onsen. Um, can talk more about that later, but, uh, uh, this, like the, the Japanese bathhouse is really fantastic. Um, but then we spent a week in Tokyo and that was definitely a long time coming because I, I mean, ever since we had June Thomas on the show, mm. let like five years ago, four years ago, uh, whenever that was, um, talking about some of these shops in Japan, I've had a list of like places I wanted to go to. So this was definitely really fun for that. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. Stationary culture in Japan, it's, it's a lot more. And also I just want to be like, you know, 
I've been to Japan once and therefore I'm just an expert. Like, just like all those big guys <laughs> are like, oh, you don't understand. Everything's better in Japan, right? Like, you have a sad ramen. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a certain brand. Ever since I had ramen in Japan, I just can't eat cup noodles anymore. <laughs> like, then your life sucks. A certain brand of white boy uh, who goes to Japan and then all of a sudden just like, you know, knows everything about it. But I, I will say, I just loved it. Just loved so much. I have a podcast. I'm going to yeah, you have a podcast. Where I talk about my experience in Japan. I have t-shirts for my podcast. I have a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> by the way, if you, if you can't get Johnny a t-shirt, that is our first ever t-shirt from almost 10 years ago. The pencil is first. Like vintage goods there. right there. Yeah. I put it in um, later today because I didn't know if I could wear it all day without it falling apart. The yeah. It's an old t-shirt. Hugged me at the front door and it just like fell apart just, on his shoulders. Don't get the glue it back. It was an intense. <laughs> yeah. just staple it back together. No, Johnny hugs, Johnny hugs like, hard. I'll say it. Yeah. Um. So, so somebody, we were talking about something else with some friends and they mentioned how there's many things Japan didn't sort of like invent, but they perfected. And one example is spaghetti. So my girlfriend and I went to a spaghetti restaurant in Japan, just like spaghetti. And it was, if it was not the most amazing spaghetti I've ever had in my life, then like, you know, I don't know what, but like they... They got it. It's picture perfect. I, I got spaghetti with meat sauce and like mozzarella cheese and they like laid a strip of bacon on it and it was just like gorgeous and tasted amazing. And that's just Italian. It's spaghetti. not an Italian restaurant. It's a spaghetti. Restaurant. It was a spaghetti restaurant. And we went in and, and they had one of those machines with all the buttons that you order from and it spits out a form and then you hand it to them. So you have to pay like oh, this damn, machine. Like in band. No English anywhere. Um, <laughs> and my translate app was not working. So I basically had to like point to things, pictures on the wall and ask the, the like beleaguered, very busy, like hostess to come and like help me know what buttons to push. But like, so anyhow, like, so they, they can take things and just like perfect them and just, just design them. Just it's very intentional design, very functional. I feel like this is like an old, just kind of like a, a UX trope, but. Uh, I feel like so many things are so user-centered in Japan and just very intentional. And stationery is a perfect example. Like they, they have special paper for receipts. They have special paper for banking. They have special paper for, um, like I went to a, a, a notebook store where they, um, you could like build your own notebook and they had like a little graph saying like, oh, this is better for pencil. This is better for fountain pens. This is better for ballpoints. And like, that's what? all the stuff that we know and that we think about, but most of the U.S. doesn't give a crap about that, right? Like, it's just like, oh, that's some paper. And I just feel like more people there and more of the companies are just, like, thinking more about, like, just, like, that experience that, like, somebody will have writing with it. And just also, I, I feel like sort of the standards of manufacturing is just much higher often. I mean, that's how you get Tombow and Mitsubishi pencils and... Just all of the amazing paper companies. Yeah. So it's, I think a lot of it is just like, just very thoughtful about the user's experience. And then also just very detail oriented. Um, there's a subtle, there's a lot of like focus on precision. Um, my friend Bruce, so met up with my friend Bruce Eamon, who's a friend of the show. And he's like a stationary circle guy from, he, he's from the US, but he lived, he grew up in Japan. And then he recently moved back there. He, he married, um, Kaoru, who is the head of Bungu Box. Um, there's a, like a high-end fountain pen shop in Japan. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we were just talking at one point. And, um, my girlfriend who appreciates good stationery, but isn't like, you know, like us about stationery. She was kind of wondering kind of out loud, like what, what it is about Japanese stationery. And Bruce is like, you know, in, in school, there's such a focus on precision. Like, you know, you're not, you're not going to fail the test. You're not going to fail this thing. You're just going to do it and get until you do it precisely. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think carries over culturally through a lot of things and making pencils and using pencils and using the right tool for the right job. This is a handwriting pencil. This is a business writing pencil. This is a creative pencil. Like that's very, very just ingrained. And for general writing. For general writing. What yeah. is that? The Tombow pencils? Like yeah. The other thing? Like a, does that one say? For retouching and special drawing. Yeah, for retouching, for retouching and special drawing. Yeah. Really, I need, I got some retouching I needed to do. Yeah, ah, I never thought of pencil. And you know, this drawing is just, you know, this is special. Love it. Yeah. So, yeah. But for that's that's, decision. Yeah, exactly. Love it. And then, of course, there many of them are made by elaborate process, right? Like, that's <laughs> like the very favorite saying ever on a pencil. Yeah. And they're like, the crazy thing is that like with those that you can like tell the difference. Yeah. You can't yeah. always explain. But like, you can feel there's something like a little bit yeah. different about this one. And, and we've, we've gotten, I think generally speaking, like normies in the U S at least have really gotten just used to the commodification of pencils and often notebooks, right? Like, like the idea that like, I think one thing Blackwing has done really well is bringing sort of this idea of like an experience I'm, I'm doing air quotes here. Um, just a good user experience of pencils to the generally the general public, like somebody who'd be like, I can't believe I just spent $30 on a dozen pencils, but. These are amazing. And, and you used them all and didn't lose them. Yeah. And before that, so many people just like their minds are just, they're used to an Office Depot pencil or something. Things like crappy. Things in the States are measured by a, how much money you can make off of them. Yeah. Right. How like how much you can commodify them. And so rather than whether they work. So it's like at some point business has decided that pencils aren't profitable. So let's just all sell yeah. the same one pencil to yeah. everybody. Planet. Yeah. That's why I like vintage pencils because they're from a time when like people gave it. Like they're really nice. I'm sorry, I cussed. I guess we curse more when we're in. I'm sorry, yeah. write write it down. It's fine. <laughs> there was some. There was some. Um, use your high precision pencil for that one. Like, but the exact second. <laughs> Railroads used to get pencils made for their employees. It would be a specific grade, a specific color. Yeah, they'd be made by like Faber Castell. Like, there's one there from the Illinois Central Railroad, and yeah. they were like good pencils. IBM Electrographics, like they were such a oh cool yeah. Yeah, yeah. How long ago was that? Right, forever ago. So, yeah. yeah so I, I don't know. That's that's kind of what I think is why people like us who appreciate good stationery really gravitate toward Japan because that same that carries through to all sorts of other things too. Like transit in Japan is so well thought out and well done. Like I was taking it took me just a couple rides to figure out sort of the subway system, like all the little like pieces of the system. But once I did, just get everywhere and. Yeah, just amazing. So does it feel like um, a different world or like a different time sometimes? Like we used to have stuff in the U.S. that was nice. It's a little bit. We have a lot of nice stuff, but not like pencils. Yeah, it's a little bit of anachronism because like, yes, things feel more intentional, but and also like surprisingly cheap, like things don't cost that much there. And maybe that's a little bit skewed because I live in one of the most expensive cities in the country, but like just going and getting just like a really good plate of spaghetti for 
$8 is for me really cheap. I mean, that same plate of spaghetti from Chipotle and you spend 25. I know. Yeah. 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 And like so many things are like relatively inexpensive, but also things are like fairly high tech. Like their transit system um, is very um, well integrated. Like as soon as I landed in Japan, flipped off my, like flipped on my data roaming and I, my Apple wallet had a little thing that popped up saying like, Hey, welcome to Japan. You can go push this button and download the transit card and add some money to it. So I did that. I added 50 bucks and immediately, like when I went through the first turnstiles to get in the subway to get to my hotel, it just was like bloop, didn't have to wait in line and buy a ticket, just boom right there. And there's only a handful of cities in the U.S. that have anything that closely matches that, like New York and Boston and San Francisco and maybe Baltimore. I don't know, like electric transit cards. Yeah. I mean, here you just use your phone. They yeah. had the cards, but now it's just an app. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's so another it, example of it though, right? Of like, we, we don't get nice public transit. Well, it's, it's a different, yeah. like yeah. it's a huge country. It's like, we don't get it because they're like, it's not worth spending the money on it. Yeah. Whereas like there, it's like, no, this improves everything. Like, yeah. Lots of investment in infrastructure. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, like some of our cities here, especially on the East coast are kind of like mismatched. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure all the streets are a little skewed, not quite north south. Yeah. But, um, like it doesn't make a transit system here. It's really hard because it's like city, city, city. But um, yeah. in Japan, they have to do a lot of rebuilding that they got to do intentionally. Yeah. Although, yeah, I was in, like the part of Japan that Kitaboshi was in, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, like was those streets were just like wild. Just like, it was, exactly. luckily I had like really detailed directions on Apple Maps and I could get where I was going, but I would get lost. And the density is just incredible. Like everything's super dense, like alleyways is main streets. Like it would be amazing to see somebody's like apartment front door and they had a little table and they had some like bonsai or whatever. And that's just their, you know, their, their side yard. So as it well was, as their grass. Yeah. Dense. Uh, another really good, I think both of you would appreciate, kind of like a stationary uh, coffee culture in Japan. So good. Like, I, 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 I bought a $60 bag of coffee. How big? It's not it? even a full pound of coffee. Oh. But was it worth it? Oh, yeah. It was very good. It was aged. It was aged coffee. So they aged the green beans and then they roast it. And it does real weird stuff to like when you, I was doing a pour over and you know, it, it just acts differently, which is weird. And the guy warned me about it. Um, but also like it was, yeah, it's so good. It just completely different kind of like coffee taste. Is it, um, dark or like that stuff people drink now that you can see through? Um, this was like maybe a medium roast, but they still wrote, I still roast like a regular coffee, but like, cause they age it before they roast it, but it's more, I don't know what the right word is. Like, Spicy isn't the right word, but it like, you know, when it ages, it ferments just a little bit. So it's maybe a little, you know, when you eat like a piece of pineapple, that's like a little bit alcoholic. It's like <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a, yeah. A little bit of that. In vodka. Is that yeah. what <laughs> so, um, oh, you want to jump on number two? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, we haven't got, we haven't even sort of touched on it, but like to talk about the stationary stuff, did you, like how much of a plan did you have going into it as far as like what you wanted to see, like what shops or areas or where you're going to shop? Stuff like yeah. That? Well, I did, I did re-listen to our episode with June, with June Thomas. And I was just kind of Googling to see if they all, um, still, uh, existed. And 
I think the big main ones that I really wanted to hit, like one of them was the Itoya store, um, which is just like 12 floors of stationery, like different things. Um, what? That, that's still there. Um, that's where I made that, that custom Parker Jotter. That's so fun. Um, and Tokyo Hands was still there, um, like H-A-N-D-S, which is, I don't know how to describe it, but it's basically kind of like a department store where you can also buy just like cleaning supplies and stationery and like other things like that too. Uh, Kakimori was still there, which is just Walmart. Yes. Kind of, but way nicer. Yeah. Yeah. But 10,000 times nicer. Yeah. Kakimori was that place that, I don't know if you remember June talking about this place where you go and you have a little tray and you can put in notebook covers and then you put in like different paper inserts and then you pick out the color of the spiral binding and like different things and you take it up and they just like put it together for you, like did that. Um, So I had kind of like a broad idea like that. And we also had some other things to do, Um, non-stationary things, which I guess, yeah. Like I did this really cool thing. There's this Japanese denim brand called Betty Smith, which is a funny, it's funny because it's it's from an era when Japanese denim was trying to be like American denim. Mm -hmm. And so they like branded their thing. And then since this brand has kind of had a resurgence and sort of popularity and they do this really cool thing where you can, it's called the jeans making experience. And you go and you pick out a pair of jeans and then you, there's like a big tray of like different colored rivets different shapes and colors of rivets and then like like the jeans button the front button different patterns and colors and then there's old vintage patches and you pick out what you want and then you can put the rivets on yourself and the front button on yourself and then they'll sew on the patch it's really fun that's cool i got a really cool pair of jeans that the front button is um it's hoku size wave you know the old like japanese Mm -hmm. like the wave um yeah just just so much fun. You just got to experience making jeans and then you have a really nice pair of jeans. It's like a souvenir. So most of my souvenirs were, uh, jeans and pencils. Yeah. Yeah. Things you can use. Yeah. So I had a plan, didn't hit them all. There's still a bunch on the list. Um, but most of those are stuff that's not in Tokyo. Um, and I really only spent time in Tokyo. So I really want to go to Kyoto and Osaka and a few other places. Um, and I didn't, I didn't also, I also didn't go to the Traveler's Factory, which I would have loved to have gone to the Traveler's Store, but they, uh, they have had weird hours and just kind of conflicted with some other stuff. So, yeah, I also got to go, uh, went to this, a couple cool, like, um, electronic stores. Uh, there's one called, um, Yamabashi Camera Shop, which is in Tokyo, which is it's called the Camera Shop, but it's like nine huge huge floors of just like personal electronics like if it's a consumer electronics it's there and that was overwhelming but so fun and i also went to this really neat um there's this thrift store called hard off which is a hilarious name um but you go in and they have like musical genre yeah (laughs) yeah i can't sell that in hard off tim's showing us his floppy pencil (laughs) excuse me um they have I mean, you can just go and buy like a Nintendo DS that may or may not work for 20 bucks. And they have like old, like Super Famicoms, which is the original Japanese NES Nintendo. It's kind of like uh, red and gold in color. And um, you can buy that for like $10 and like they test it and maybe you can fix it and maybe you can't. It's just fun things like that. I didn't buy one, but I just think they're really cool. Yeah. So, um, 
you mentioned a lot about where you were going, but mm-hmm. what were you looking for? Like what specific goodies, especially stuff that you can't get here where you were in the market for? That's a really good question. I, I really, really wanted to find pencils that I had never seen or heard of. And the trouble was, is I kind of failed in that. Like I did, <laughs> I did find some pencils that I hadn't really seen or some that I haven't heard of, but almost all of them are ones that like, you know, we know about or have talked about, or I've been able to get like in San Francisco or you've gotten in, yeah, just elsewhere. So I had, I didn't see a whole lot of pencils that I wasn't sort of familiar with, but I, I really wanted to just sort of like see, just see what these experiences were. So, um, there were like the make your own Parker daughter thing or um, the notebook making thing. Like there's like, I think I included a um, man, my brain isn't working. The made by elaborate process. I think I threw in one of those pencils in your, the, the packs I sent you guys just because. Yeah. And they're kind of hard to come by and they're dark. Yeah. yeah. And just, they're kind of hard to come by, but you can get them there. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other one says, Whoa. yeah. So, um, great, great pencils. I think that we've heard of most of them, but, um, I just wanted to see what's out there. So I'm a little bit worried that we're just sort of saturated. Like next stop is like, we just need to go to like China and India and places where they are mostly making pencils that aren't exported for themselves. I think that's the next frontier of us finding finding about new pencils because um, we know mostly about Japan pencils already that I've seen. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in India and like Indian fountain pens. It's the whole thing. Yeah. They're very specific. But I will say that I did I did a little bit. One of the things I wanted to try to do was find like antique pencils in Japan. And I did. I do feel pretty successful in that. Like um, my um, girlfriend did a little research into like some of the vintage shopping districts of Tokyo. There's one called Shima Kitanawa, and it is lots of like, you can buy like vintage clothes. There's a lot of like just very American stuff from like the eighties, like the big colorful clothes. And there's a whole store that sold just like nothing but like old, like Esprit and New Balance and just like that kind of vapor wavy, like our friend Dade would be in love with this place. Um, <laughs> the other trouble that I found that I think Tim would also find there is, is they don't really have American sizes. Mm. So I was, luckily they have enough Americans coming through that Betty Smith shop mm. uh, where I could find like a size 38, um, like waste, but uh, cannot, uh, cannot find like a lot of XL clothes. So like shirts and stuff. So that was hard, but um, I did find some amazing, I'm going to pull them out real quick. Um, so if only for this next bit, like you, sh- you should all go subscribe so you can watch um, our video. Um, but we found this antique shop that sold. It was just like everything you want out of antique shop is like real crowded, kind of dark, really cluttered. I had to like sidestep through like some tables to get to the cashier. And I was afraid of like knocking the stuff over. And there's this like really just like, just like kindly elderly man in the back who was sitting at this desk that's like way down low with just a bunch of stuff around it. And I think he was like writing in a notebook even like there's no computer in sight. And I just, I found this like little side table where there were just like, just a very familiar, just like 
sized boxes that were just packs of pencils. I was like, so I go over there and I, uh, I, I bought a good $80 worth of things, but, um, some of the things I got was, um, well, let me see, see if I can find this here. Um, this is a pack of, um, pencils from, I said the 1964 Olympics that were in Tokyo. Um, oh, wow. It's really cool Olympics pencils with like little tigers on them. Um, which was sort of like the little mascot of the, of that year of the Olympics. Uh, these really cool, um, 1960s pencils, like children's school pencils. I had a little white blonde kid on it. Uh, everything's in, in Japanese. Uh, what's cool about this is these pencils like this end. So it's hard to see, but what you're looking at is a pack of blue pencils. And then like the, like an inch of one of the ends are in a different color. And, uh, you stare at one end and this is graphite. And if you stare at the other end, that's colored pencil. Oh, that's neat. awesome. So these were, these were like children's writing pencils. Um, well, maybe I'll see if I can take some pictures of these and put them like in a, like in an album or something and share them. The one that was really cool, um, is this, and this is hard to see. It is, I'll show you the back of it. It is just a, has gorgeous sort of like all Japanese scrolling on it. Just beautifully designed. Uh, the pencils themselves are just plain wood, a lot of writing. And I brought this up and I asked the guy, um, to translate and, or I, I asked, I asked him if he, if he spoke English and he, he was like, yes, I was like, yes. So it's like, can you tell me about these pencils? And he was like reading them and he was like, okay, this says the Miyagi prefecture student school supply company. And that was from like when businesses were, or companies like that were still, and he, he didn't have the word for nationalized, but still kind of like nationalized in Japan. And he was like, I think these are like before World War II. And wow, so I'm like, I'm sitting here with like Japanese school pencils from like the 30s or the 40s, which is just pretty incredible. And I think I paid the equivalent of like 20 bucks for it. Um, but like, yeah, but well worth it. Um, found a couple other good ones. Like I found some old vintage um, uh, Ayuni pencils. Um, I, I don't know how old they are, but um, they don't have a barcode on the box. So I'm assuming it's pre-1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I, I was really excited about just like, you know, some of the, just finding some of the vintage pencils. So eventually I'll like try to crack them open. I was about to make some joke about like, you think they were like, look at this guy buying all these junky old pencils, <laughs> but that doesn't exist there probably. They're probably like, but you're appreciating these old pencils that were amazing and they were, they're still, yeah. amazing, you know, I did, I, I did joke. I texted yeah. my friend Bruce, um, pictures of all this and he, he's go. He goes, great. Did you just buy out the neighborhood of, of like, <laughs> yeah. I was like pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. So, uh, that wasn't like my, kind of my main intention, but I was really glad to be able to discover that. Um, another thing, excuse me. Um, I really wanted to, um, well, I'll, I'll talk about this in some of these next questions. So I'll save that story. I was, I was wondering if like, just like on that topic where you're like what you were looking for and maybe you've already covered it, but is there something that strikes you as like your favorite find from there is it something you've already mentioned or yeah what is my favorite find um i i do really like um i do really like the uh those those old pencils um i you know like some of the 
we'll talk about the Kitaboshi tour here in a little bit. Um, I did also find a really cool other thing, and I think I included that in your packs. Um, but there's a gray there's a gray pencil called a Craftsman pencil that I sent you guys. Yes, yes. And describing it for the audience, it's um, just a very simple like matte gray. Excuse me. Um, been taking some cough suppressants. Um, matte gray pencil that just says uh, Craftsman pencil on it, and they come in different grades. And um, so I bought that at a Daiso. And I went to this really big Daiso. And for those of you who aren't in, we're in the US, they have Daisos. It's like a big lots or not lots, but Japanese. And I went to a very large Daiso and they had this like sub-brand called uh, Standard Equipment. And it was all in English. And Standard Equipment is, um, they're trying to compete, I think, with Muji because I got both a, this pencil and I got that notebook. Um, that kind of green notebook that I sent you guys is from, um, from standard equipment and it is a very nice pencil. It's very cheap. It was like $2 for a pack of how many are in here? Six. Um, and they had all different, they had like several different grades and each progressive grade, the gray is darker. So it went from a very light gray to a very dark gray, which is cool. Very well color coded. Amazing writing pencil. Yeah. It's really good. And I was trying to figure out it, if you have a high class golden sword, use it side by side. And I think it's, I think they're exact. I think they're the same and they're weighted different because it doesn't have an eraser and it's like coated in gray. Um, but they're made at Kitaboshi. And so is the high class golden sword. And I mm -hmm. think that they're probably the same pencil and they're both like Muji, not or Daiso branded pencils. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is really good. If I haven't seen them in any of the Daisos in the U S but if, if you see any that have sort of like the sub brand section in it, that's like, it's like gray with like Helvetica, like script that says standard equipment. And it's a lot of like home goods and stationery and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's what this is. And it's basically just a Daiso trying to take up some Muji market share. Well, the book that you got has like all this detail on it, including the paper green. Yeah. Which is like binder nerdery. Yeah. yeah and that's should, We should just like jump into that. Like you're already talking about that craftsman, like just to talk about the package you sent us, like some of that, some of those goodies, yeah. like in the notebook, like. Tell yeah. Us, yeah, tell us about Sinus Seven, like why you, yeah, like why you picked those out. So I'll, I'll mention. Um, I said this kind of in our pre-show, but like I was also buying some stuff for some nieces who love Hello Kitty and Sanrio stuff, and a nephew who loves Pokemon. And even then, like I found way more cool stuff for you guys. <laughs> so, um, so I sent a. I'll maybe post a picture. Uh, I asked Johnny to take a picture of this so I could remember what I sent you guys. But um, I one of the. My favorite thing that I sent was um, uh, we've talked about Uniball One on the show before, and that's a Uniball brand that's very like nicely colored and very smooth and simple and minimalistic. And I found this really gorgeous multi pen uh, that's a collab between between uh, Uniball One and Karimoku. Um, I know my pronunciation is real crap. Sorry, guys. Um, Karimoku, and it is a Japanese furniture brand, and it is. This gorgeous sort of like burnt orange and the grip is wood and it has like black, blue, green, red, um, multi-pen stuff. And mechanical pencil, which is cool. Oh yeah. And yeah, mechanical pencil and the, and, and you push down the like, yeah. Kidney eraser. Um, it is, I found this at Tokyo hands and it's just really gorgeous. Uh, I had been getting Instagram ads for them. Um, just 
for the like several weeks before. And I was like, oh, and I would go into Mido and like look for it, but I couldn't find it there. Um, so uh, what's funny is now it's at Mido, like it's not cool, exclusive from Japan, but I just loved it so much. <laughs> I wanted to get you guys some. Those are so awesome. I yeah. love it. I love um, it. Also of note, um, I don't know what that weird little pencil with like the straw wrapper is. So I'm pretty sure it's one of those infinite pencils. Like it oh, does, okay. it makes like a um, oxidization on the Okay, paper. cool. Yeah. That's... But it you can actually see it when you write with it. You yeah. those things it's kind of like it's, it's a crappy writing pencil, but it looks cool. And I got that. No, at it, it works pretty well for what okay, it is. Okay, that's good. I got that at Kakimori, which is that that notebook making shop. They just had that there. Um, put a couple Kitaboshis in here. Um, I'll talk here about the Kitaboshi factory tour in a little bit. Oh, I found a really cool Japan exclusive Rodia notepad. And yes. I found that at Tokyo Hands, and that is Rodia um, with... And the, the difference is, is the lining, uh, well, it's white and has like a rising sun on the front, but the lining is in red instead of in the Rhodia purple, um, like the ruling. That's, that's pretty awesome. fun. Um, I really wanted to get you guys, there was, you know, roll bond notebooks, like those Delphonics. Mm -hmm. um, in the US, I feel like you can find like one or two at some different shops, but in Japan, they're all over. And I just wanted to go ham with the Rhodia. Um, I did not, um, but also... My, I was rapidly using up luggage space. So I was wondering. <laughs> in fact, I had to put all the books and paper products that I bought in my carry on because they were just, my weight was well over the limit. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, and then I don't really know anything about that eraser. I just thought it looked cool and erase is really nice. It's just a pretty typical Japanese yeah. plastic eraser. Like French. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> so, can you tell us about this white um, Mitsubishi pencil? just has it's completely blank but on the very tip of the cap it has the mitsubishi um diamonds interesting uh no i cannot tell you about it because i don't remember where i got it's it really nice does it seem old i mean it doesn't look okay. old hard to tell i think i might have i think i might have picked it up just because it was a mitsubishi pencil and i had never seen them all in white like that before um so i don't i don't know uh, i haven't actually tried mine out so I mean, it writes really well. Nice. It's like a Mitsubishi. Cool. And this one I've never seen before, the Kitabashi Hit. It's Yeah. Brown. Yeah. So I... Retouching um, and special drawing. Maybe let's talk about the Kitaboshi Tour next, but that was in their shop. Um, their like little store factory shop there. So I have seen very few Kitaboshi branded Kitaboshi pencils, like... I've used obviously black wings and like the, the Daiso pencils that are from Kitaboshi. And I have a feeling that they sort of like white label a lot of other pencils. Um, Kitaboshi really is the Musgrave of Japan. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but yeah, that was really one really cool thing. Um, some of the pencils that I picked up in those antiques shops are um, uh, called Horubashi and Hor yeah, Horibashi pencils, and that, that's an old stationary brand that doesn't exist anymore and sort of got wrapped into um, other brands. And I found out a few other interesting things um, just about the numbering. Kitaboshi has a pencil called an 8900. And I was like, that's interesting because uh, Tombow, is it Tombow or is it Mitsubishi has an 8900? Um, Tombow, right? Tombow, I think. Yeah, yeah. they're um, all agree. Mm -hmm. Is it 9,800? Oh, man. No. I don't know. Listen to us. My, so I was asking 
the, fa- the guy who's giving the factory tour about this and he was telling me about how um, uh, yep. mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of the companies over the years have split and come back together. And so some company that used to be Kitaboshi, uh, that Kitaboshi is born out of and Tambo is born out of kind of like split and came together. So like the model number of 8900 uh, predates some of the brand names. And so they just both take sort of like that designation with them, which was a really interesting just factoid I learned. That is cool. These are those, the, the 8900 is the one that comes in that really cool. I'm not going to put my phone up to the camera, um, a yellow box. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Which, like, it's amazing just to, like, go into a 7-Eleven and be able to buy a pack of like, <laughs> combo pencils, right? Like, Yeah. Could you even buy wooden pencils in a 7-Eleven here? I have I mean, no like, idea. Any quality? Yeah. Yeah, American like, 7-Elevens are not like Japanese 7-Elevens. When, um, I guess in the, like, 2010 through 2015, you could go into some, like, mom-and-pop shop and find, like, a shelf of Ticonderogas from yeah. yesteryear, but I think those days are over because now yeah. they're all on eBay. Yeah. And suckers like me pay too much money for them. So can I, can I talk about my Kitaboshi factory tour? Yeah, that's what we were going to ask. Yeah. Um, so my friend Bruce um, told him I was coming to Tokyo and we had a really nice, he, he took us to um, this really great little place that made, made its own miso. Like it's one of the, you sit on the floor, like it just looks like an old, what do you think of when you think of an old Japanese restaurant? Paper, paper screens, like, um, and he goes, hey, do you want me to see if I can arrange a Kitaboshi factory tour? I'm like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he called the factory, he arranged it. Um, we show up, we're the only one. I asked him if this was like a situation where it's like VIP pencil podcaster going through a factory <laughs> or if it's just like a regular tour. He's like, it'll probably be a regular tour, but um we show up and we were the only ones there so uh what's amazing is i mean not amazing but lucky for me um bruce is fluent in japanese and english so he translated the whole time for us which was really lucky um because there was no way i was going to be able to do that before but um so the the guy giving the tour is the board chairman um sugi uh what's his name kazutoshi san uh he is the former president of Kitaboshi. His son is now the president. He was, so he was the fourth generation president and his son is the fifth generation. And he sort of just, um, Kazutoshi-san now just sort of like does whatever he wants because he is retired. And so he gives tours and he also, um, he also does art and I'll tell more about this art in a second. But, um, so I walk in and like just, just the walls are covered with like like little sculptures that look like it's made out of modeling clay and like pictures on the walls and this sort of like 3D paint. Excuse me. And everything's kind of like kind of tinted in like a wood color. And later I come to find out that, you know how like Calcedar in the old day, they would take all of their sawdust and they would turn it into fire logs that they would, you know, was Duraflame. Uh, Kitaboshi takes all of their sawdust and turns it into modeling clay. So they have, and paint. Oh, that's cool. They like grind their wood, their wood down to such fine amounts that they use it as like filler for paint and for modeling clay. And that's what like the walls are covered in. So he and his wife are both artists and they will like create the stuff and they sell it too. I almost bought a bag, but it was fairly heavy. And I was like, I don't want to carry this. So 
Did you get to um, play with it? Did it smell like? Yeah, we played with it a little bit. That was cool. It reminded me a lot of, um, shoot, what is that? Um, it's like fluffy kind of, and then it hardens into something that's not super hard, but still, but like harder, like right? Like a sand or something, or not quite that. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of you remember that flomish, um, but it hardens. Sort of um, it smelled, but it smells like cedar, which is really cool. So his, his tour is like a lot of, so first you watch this like video that I think was maybe a paid advertisement for Kitaboshi and like local media. And it's one of those very like Japanese news programs where there's just like these goofy guys who are talking to somebody very serious. And then there's like a little random person reacting in the corner, like watching it and reacting. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Bruce was like kind of translating as we were going, but it was basically the story of like how a pencil is made and. You take this wood and you squish it and blah, blah, blah. And you dry out the core. And it's like, we all know how pencils are made, but like, it was, it was pretty neat. So then he starts asking, like, he was very interactive. He's like, does, can anybody guess like who invented the, um, like the, the grading process and like drying out the graphite. And I was like, Nicholas Conte. And he was like, it was Napoleon and it was for this. And I was like, well. Napoleon had a scientist Nicholas Conte do it. Like I wasn't <laughs> arguing with him just because I. You didn't. Will Jacques Conte. Yeah, Jacques Conte, not Nicholas. Um, but it was it was funny. I was, I was just, actually. Yeah. Um, talked a lot about it. He had some just really interesting um, stuff that kind of like Hitoboshi innovated. They're working on this like watercolor style colored pencil. Like they have this cool sharpener that's like wastes kind of a minimum of wood when it sharpens or waste a minimum of graphite which is neat um so going through this and then the factory tour like we spent probably 45 minutes like sitting talking about this stuff and showing examples of of things and then the factual factory tour was maybe like 10 minutes like we walk across the street and look in and like we could I, i was able to see the um the painting machine going like it was spitting out pencils and I was able to see the foil stamping machine going. Um, I did find out that their graphite formulation, which to me, I think is kind of the magic sauce of Kitaboshi that's actually done off site. Um, they don't actually mix the graphite there. And so it's shipped to this place where they squish it into pencils. So that was neat. Actually, my favorite thing was they had out back a pencil shrine, like a Shinto shrine for pencils. And it is, it is celebrating celebrating the spirit of pencils and he has this whole thing and i he was actually talking about this and i was writing down quotes i'm going to write a wood clinch post about this i haven't put anything on wood clinch since our live show like beginning of the pandemic but um he so the way this translates i'll i'll say it and then i'll actually try to like give a bit more context but one of the things he said is pencils shave their body for the benefit of the mission and basically, yeah. basically what that means is, you know, they, they reduce like their mass and they like give up them, of themselves for like what people are trying to do. So he has this whole thing about like, and I think like Shinto is very much like about sort of like souls or spirits kind of embodied in sometimes things that are inanimate, like trees or rocks or things that have some kind of like life that we give them. And he was kind of giving it life to pencils and how kind of like selfless they are like that. So he had this other whole sort of metaphor that. I was kind of trying to latch onto that basically pencils are like human humans. They're the pieces are 
put together, sandwiched together to make them unbending. So these two pieces of wood become one and they're sacrificing yourself, which is, yeah, unlike Sam's floppy pencil. It's <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That was beautiful exactly. and I, I ruined it with the... Uh, no, it's all right. I can't believe how handy this has come. You know, yeah. <laughs> so so they were trying to think of yeah. very corporate ways to celebrate the spirit of the pencil and they have this little Shinto shrine out back and... One of the things you can do is is you can feed in if like um, stubs of pencils, and every year at like sometime in 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 November they will go and they'll have a they'll do a ritualistic burning of these stubs of pencils to celebrate the pencils and uh, for every five pencil stubs you put in there they will give you a, a a new pencil that has been blessed by Shinto priests. What? And so he, he did, I didn't have any pencil stubs, but he did give me a pencil that was blessed by Shinto priests. So that's pretty uh, special. Yeah. So I'll, I'll post some pictures on somewhere and offer a link in the show notes, but that was really fun. It was, it was not, it wasn't what I was expecting as like a factory tour because it's very, it's a lot more mom and pop than I was thinking they would be. Um, But I also like, I realized during this trip that like Hideboshi is the Musgrave of Japan and uh, like it's very like family run. It is very small and kind of a residential neighborhood. It, they do a lot of white labeling. So I, it's very much like the, the Musgrave of Japan. And I was trying to figure out if like, uh, this guy knows like Henry Hewlin and I couldn't quite get through, but they did have a, there was a guitar on the wall and I looked at this guitar closely and it's a guitar that's made out of cedarwood. Tim, you'll appreciate this. Um, I think both of you will liking guitars. Um, I'll send you this picture, but um, it's this guitar on the wall and there's a old picture behind it, uh, like mounted beside it. And it is, I, I want to say it's from the seventies or eighties, maybe the early nineties, not quite sure. And it is this, this um, Katsutoshi San, San and Charles Berlsheimer. <laughs> like what? A, much, a much younger Charles. And because <laughs> I'm guessing maybe, I don't know if they still do, but at least back then they like Cal Cedar supplied the wood. I think they still do because during the presentation, he was like, does anybody know where our cedar comes from? I'm like, California instant cedar from Northern California. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think that, I think that Charles, uh, made that guitar out of, out of incense cedar and gave one to. That's very Kazutoshi son. Yeah, that was funny. And then the, also in another corner was a copy of the pencil perfect translated into Japanese. Beside it was a picture of Kazutoshi san and Caroline. So that was That's really awesome. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So um, we have more questions, but an yeah. in between question, um, speaking of cedar, like there was this, sure. I don't know what the cause was, but a shortage of it in the U.S. So like Ticonderogas aren't cedar anymore and there's probably mm. no reason that they ever will be. But um, are is in Japan, are they still like pretty hardcore on cedar? I think so. I feel like all the pencils I saw were pretty high end. And I, I can't say for certain like, that they are or that they're like incense cedar, but they really seem like it and they smell like it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I don't think I really ran across and I was only looking, looking in like stationary shops and stuff, but like I would see, I'd walk on the street and see like a, like a, a construction worker. And of course had a nice little like, uh, like Hyuni or something in his pocket or like all I saw were pencils that I know are made out of cedar. So did not see any like low end like basswood or anything that I could tell. Mm-hmm. Cool. Somebody with more experience can correct me on that, but 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, the next question that we had on the list, yeah, Afi, because you went, you answered that. So um, you mentioned that you know people in Japan do things differently, and I'm assuming that they're also like a different set of expectations when you mm. go out eat or go shopping. So are there any sort of um, like practices or insights that you're mm. bringing back with you that like you know are relevant yeah. in your life and things you might want to continue doing? Well, one thing that I'm so one thing that really just like kind of almost made me uncomfortable, but uh, tipping is not a thing in Japan. And so like I had very good service like from, so if I go to a hotel, I'm usually like, if it's a nice hotel and I stayed at a pretty nice hotel, if somebody brings some stuff up, I'll tip them. And I usually try to tip like housekeeping. And if there's like somebody, you know, doing good stuff, I'll tip, don't tip in Japan. Like some t- and often tipping is like considered rude. Like you don't need to tip me. Right. Like, so so don't don't tip in Japan. Um, we have fair wages here. Yeah. Um, one of the things I noticed is that I feel like, broadly speaking, people are more rule followers. And like I was in a hotel and like I uh, left the do not disturb sign on my room before I went down to the onsen and was hoping that they were going to like clean my room, but I forgot about it. And so like I... Um, and I went down to the front desk and I asked them like, Hey, do you mind servicing my room? Forgetting that I had the do not disturb sign on. So later she goes, Oh, um, Mr. Welfley, like the do not disturb sign was on, but you asked us to clean your room. Just like kind of confused. It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. And they were like, okay, thanks. Thanks for letting me know. We'll clean it. But also like, please be sure to remove that sign. And mm-hmm. so, and then people don't really cross the crosswalks unless the light is green. Like it's, it's, there's a lot of like, things are a lot more methodical mm-hmm. and I feel like that sort of like method is something that they take a little bit more seriously. And honestly, in, in some ways, in some ways, I think it's good to know, like think about the process, break things down into, into methods, into process. I think that's a good kind of like takeaway there. Um, I don't know what else. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I tried very hard to just like, you know, my, I don't know Japanese, but I tried very hard to like learn the basics. Like, um, you know, arigato gozaimasu is thank you very much. Uh, one that I used a lot, uh, sumimasen is excuse me. Um, I was very bad at it. Like if I was in somebody's way, I would say, excuse me. And a couple of times my girlfriend who has been to Japan several more times than I have is like, you know, People don't know what excuse me means. And it's like, well, I know. I'm just like trying to be like alert my presence, big dumb American guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sumimasen. I said that a few times. Uh, How do you say where are the pencils? Yeah. Did you, did you put <laughs> pencils? Um, <laughs> one thing that I didn't even mention that I just like, that sort of like collector's itch in my brain, that it just, mm-hmm. just scratched that itch so well. Um, and something that it was just a little, I would call it a moment of delight that I found. Um, there's lots of places have like stamps, like rubber stamps to show that you were there. And it was no more obvious than like several of the subway stops had, the stations had a little section where there were stamps. They call them Eki, E-K-I. And you go in and I didn't have like a, a, some people have special notebooks to collect these stamps. And I just use my field notes and you go in and there's like, um, stamps. And I was just stamping my notebook and. Those are like, so cool. Yeah, I'm showing, I'm holding this up to uh, the screen, but 
I have one from the Ningyocho station, which is like a little dog and a little, it's known for this clock in the neighborhood. And uh, Tim, you'll appreciate that the Jimbocho neighborhood apparently is, there's a big sort of like sports arena there. So there's like a cool little basketball oh, nice. or baseball like there. Huge baseball yeah. country. Um, yeah. So just some of the other lines, some of the Shinkansens have stamps, the bullet trains have stamps and some of the special places like, like the big kind of Tokyo tower, that big thing in the sky has stamps and you can just collect these stamps. And I love this. And some of the stamps are right there. <laughs> some of the stamps you had to go like ask the ticket master or the guy at the ticket station. And I basically just like showed my notebook and I was like, like stamp. And he knew exactly what I meant because mm -hmm. I'm sure that happens a lot. So yeah, so amazing stamps. I really want to go back and there's 78 transit stamps and I just want to go collect them all. <laughs> so it's like another example of just like they just want everything to be like a yeah like a little experience. experience yeah and i lo i love that it's it's delightful i want i would love that to exist in the u.s more um, i just thinking about how cool it would be if like different stops because in san francisco our main subway line like our stops have like they're in different parts of town that have different histories and cool little meanings how cool would it be to have like a little stamp somewhere there it wouldn't cost much money a little station People who know about it, know about it. And people who don't, they don't care. Um, another thing kind of along the same lines, but maybe a little bit more, I don't know, reverential or just like have more of history is there's something called Goshen. And at various Buddhist temples and Shinto shrines. So we went to the Meiji shrine, which is kind of a big famous one. Like if you've seen pictures of it, like you, you probably recognize it, but they have like, you go up, and you go into the shrine, you, you like cleanse your hands and wash your mouth. And then you do this thing where you bow twice and clap twice and give an offering. But then in the back, they have little souvenirs and little like things you can buy. And one of the things was a little notebook. <laughs> of course. So I was like, my pet. And so my, my ears immediately perked up. And so I come to learn this is different big shrines. And there's shrines everywhere, but big shrines have... Um, these little notebooks, and they're called like, I'm going to butcher this, Goshenicho. Um, and they're notebooks for your your Goshen. And you go in and you pay, I think I paid the equivalent of like 15 bucks for it. And um, the first page has uh, a stamp and some calligraphy. And then what you do is you take this little notebook and next time you go to a different shrine, uh, you go get their Goshen. Like they, if they're like a, a big one, they have like a priest who is on site who will do the calligraphy. Um, and sometimes they come in like little separate cards because they're pre-made. But what's amazing, these cards, exact same size as no. the Goshen. So you can just paste <laughs> them in there. And as, as a bookbinder, Johnny, I think you'll appreciate this. This is, um, oh, let me see if I can pull this out. It's one of those, those notebooks where uh, the pages kind of like pull out. Oh, like neat. And of course, this paper is impeccable, um, but you don't write in this. This is just for your temple visits. And, but, well, excuse me. So different shrines of different Goshenicho, like some are just like have um, different designs. And sometimes they'll have limited edition ones. Some shrines, if it's raining, they'll have a different Goshen that they use. And some shrines, if, it, if it's cherry blossom season, they have a different one. And some have different ones for special events. And you just go and you just collect this stuff and you make like an offering of like five bucks or whatever when you do it. And whatever, like, whatever that is, like that sort of like little 
collect them all kind of mindset like a like no wonder pokemon is from japan pokemon right? like, yeah no kidding yeah no wonder this yeah, is from gym that badges sort of you're like getting all your gym badges yeah exactly like this is my four square check-in but like in my notebook right like Ugh. so i like fireworks I, going off in my brain listening to you talk about that honestly if, if 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 ever you have a chance to go to japan like do it and bring lots of notebooks and paper and just like go collect all this stuff like it's so fun so um and, and like you know there's hundreds and hundreds of these shrines around and some don't have like anybody like like working and, and providing the stuff but there's different ones like this one um yeah it has like little cats on the bottom of it and mm -hmm. those apparently this is for um uh pregnancies so pregnant women go to the shrine and uh, get a blessing for like having a safe pregnancy um a lot of like there were a lot of like older people who were there and it's from what I, I learned, it's a lot of like people going to hoping their like their daughters or daughters-in-law were going to have a good pregnancy. So they're kind of mm -hmm. doing that on their behalf. And so just fun stuff like that. Um, I mean, Shinto isn't fun. It's religion, but right, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of cool how, how that's incorporated. Yeah. Wow. Want to take night? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, just like any sort of like last things you'd want to share with us about, like, yeah, that you haven't that you haven't covered already, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I you wanted to talk about. I liked way more than I thought. I liked my onsen experience, and so an onsen is like a Japanese spa, like a public bath, or not a public bath, but like a like hot springs bath. So when I was in, when I was in, um. Niseko, that skiing town. So I, I am not a skier and I skied for half a day and then I lost all of my energy. But this hotel we stayed at was really nice and had a built-in onsen. So the hot springs in Northern Japan, like they would pipe in and has all these really lovely natural minerals. But what you do is you go in, there's like the men's onsen and the women's onsen and you go in and they specifically say like, do not wear clothes in the onsen. So just like, you're just naked. So... Uh, so you go in and there's like, a, you sit down and there's like a little like shower station and you you soap up your hair and soap up yourself and you clean yourself before you go sit in the bath. But um, it was, it was, so apparently Niseko is also really well known for just like being just a lot of Australians go there to ski. Apparently just, I mean, there were so many Australians, like most people spoke English. <laughs> so it was just me and like, like probably three other just like naked Australians in the, <laughs> just in this onsen. Um, and you go and you just like, you know, you sit in just like this really just nice and hot bath, like big, big bath and you just soak and it smells nice. And the water is like very minerally and has like little floating bits in it that like, it's just really nice. And that was lovely. Uh, and they had an outdoor one. So it was, it's winter. It was like 30 degrees. It was around the freezing point. So um, it's around zero degrees Celsius. I'm trying to learn Celsius because yeah, lots of Japan and Canada. Uh, use that more. Um, so it was, it wasn't cold, 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 but it was cold, but you just go in and you're breathing this like nice air and there's like snow cause there's walls you can't see out, but they're, the sky is open. And so it's like snow is kind of like coming in and it's just really nice. And you could see where the springs were coming into like, it basically, I don't know if you've ever seen spirited away, which is a, like a studio Ghibli film. Um, kind of like my neighbor Totoro or something like that, like okay. the same studio. But Spirited Away is about like a like an onsen, and the 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 water comes in and it's all natural, and then it's heated there and then recirculated, and so it's pouring out of a little thing, and just a really lovely 
meditative experience. I don't have any pictures because there was nakedness and you're not allowed to bring your phone in. So you won't ever see that. But um, where would you hold it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't know. Where to <laughs> it. Uh, they, had a, they had a plunge bath. So like you're sitting in these baths and if you want to, you can get up and go to this rigidly cold water and just plunge yourself. So I tried it because I want to know what this was like. And I was just like, definitely made my heart race. You just, it's like jumping into a pool and just holding, like just doing it because mm -hmm. it's so cold. And then you get back in the warm bath and then it's like very tingly, like kind of prickly. Mm -hmm. You can just feel all of your nerve endings. Um, but yeah, that was, the onsens were a really nice experience. Had really good food, had the best ramen in my life. Like, oh, yeah. So, so crass question. Did people yeah. have a lot of tattoos in Japan? Yeah, that's another thing. Um, no, uh, tattoos, which I think maybe you're alluding to. So tattoos are a little bit um, verboten in Japan. Like it's because it's because the, the Yakuza get tattoos. And so uh, so there are many onsens where they will turn you away if you have tattoos because oh, wow. like it's maybe considered a little unclean and like dirty and the Yakuza have tattoos. Like obviously my like little pencil tattoo and my little cat using a computer tattoo are like not yakuza tattoos those are three things that japanese people love though. i know right and so <laughs> i and also i went to a, a onsen that's part of very private part of a hotel that has caters to a lot of like western tourists so like mm -hmm. that was fine but uh, my girlfriend has several more tattoos than i do and she said that like there's like we kind of look for some onsens in tokyo but most of them were just like no tattoos so yeah um we wow. did see we did see some people with tattoos and What's funny is they were mostly like Japanese people that were kind of in like very, what I would consider like Western-ish contexts. Like we went to that, one of the really good coffee shops we went to, that guy had a lot of tattoos and he was Japanese, but he had a lot, he spoke English very well. He had like typical, what I would consider typical, like hipster barista tattoos, just like sleeve, just yeah. like line drawings up his like arm and hair in a man bun, like very much like I would guess what you would see going into a high-end coffee shop in like Asheville. <laughs> um, there were, there were some artists and some uh, people who worked at some of the vintage shops that had tattoos, but I would say the general public probably don't have tattoos. So Johnny, if you go to J Japan, like, and, and you can actually, if you Google uh, tattoo friendly onsens, they will give you a list of ones that, that do that. So if you're going, if you're in Japan, Johnny, and you're in like a situation that's like, Maybe you're going to like an old timey temple or to a really fancy restaurant. Like maybe you wear long sleeves, but other than that, it's fine. Like they're like, oh, that's a white dude. That's fine. <laughs> and that's not the only thing wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> when we traveled um, to Boston, people stared at us on the subway because that was, it was illegal in Massachusetts for a while. So oh, interesting. Like, people there don't have a lot of tattoos. Hmm. That's not even another country, but yeah. also. That's not even another dad, coast. Like, yeah, my dad's like, it's, it's cold there. It's why anyone has tattoos. <laughs> yeah. It, it's hot as hell in the summer in Boston. Yeah. Uh, plane yeah, ride. Awful. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, nine, I think, I think 10 hours was my first, my oh, jaunt. God. Like we flew San Francisco to Vancouver, Vancouver to, to, um, Narita, the Japanese, the Tokyo airport. <laughs> but still, uh, yeah. It's not as bad as when I went to Singapore, which was a 17-hour flight. Nope. Excuse me. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if that's basically it. It was, I absolutely want to go back. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like the second time around, I have, like, 
kind of an expectation set of what is there and what to expect. Um, getting there is expensive. I would actually say that like, if you're not doing wildly expensive high-end things, like being in Japan is like pretty inexpensive and like you can have a really good meal for less than $20, like for two people. Um, Dang, really? Especially like you, every, everywhere has beer and it's mostly like, it's funny in the U.S., like it's mostly like Sapporo, like Sapporo beer and in mm-hmm. Japanese restaurants and that's the same there. But like I was in like Sapporo. That was kind of cool. Um, that's the like prefecture that like Niseko was in. So that was pretty fun. Take like two people to McDonald's oh. here. You're going to pay 22 bucks. I know. Yeah. And um, also apparently the yen is not doing so great right now. So like American money will, will uh, convert better. So, um, and then also like the important things, the important things to know on signage is in English too. So stops like subway stops and like the rules before you enter and often menu often there's an english menu so as a monolingual american person like i could get by pretty well there are a few situations like that spaghetti situation uh you should do a zine series about your trip the spaghetti situation yeah one mm-hmm. of them could be about that one about a spa right yeah. like a noir mystery yeah <laughs> I can't even improv right now, but um, (laughs) if anybody's thinking about a trip overseas, like getting there is going to be a little expensive, but once you're there, um, I was surprised at how little it costs, relatively speaking. Awesome. What should we button up this episode with? Yeah, I've been talking for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It was so fascinating. Thanks for sharing all that. Thanks for listening. I mean, that was like Japan's been... Jane and I have talked about this over the years, like all the time. And even before, like I had the pencil reason to go to Japan. So I had like high on my list just for some of the reasons that you've said, just kind of about how they just kind of the culture and how they do things. I've always been so fascinated, like wanting to learn more. And now, of course, it's like 15 times higher. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's still on my list. Yeah, my family really wants to go to Japan. It's like, I want to go to Japan. You want to go with me? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, you guys know there is a podcast about, it's not specifically about wooden pencils, but it is about uh, stationery and pencils. Like there is a Japanese podcast about pencils in Japan. Are they called Andy, Johnny, and Tim? I don't know. Uh, Bruce, my friend Bruce, and we need to get Bruce on this show, but um, he was a guest on that show. And uh, I definitely think having some kind of a like meeting of minds would be a really cool thing. So maybe we need to do an erasable Yeah. But what's that podcast called? Is it in Japanese? I, it is in Japanese. It is. Uh, apparently it has just not penetrated the Western market very much, but I'll, I'll figure out what it's called and put it in so notes. But yeah, that's definitely a cool, a cool thing. Awesome. Nice. So um, if you are a Patreon supporter, thank you, by the way, and you are at the Steinbeck stage or the Nubbin stage, I'm sorry. Then we read your name because you're a producer. So I'm going to read those names. And if I butcher your name, like send me the hate mail, not erasable. <laughs> Specifically, my Johnny. Hopefully, Andrew, if the day is worn off and my brain is slowing down. So many thanks to Nathan Raybeck, Dana Morris, Liz Rotundo, Alyssa Miller, Angie, Aaron Bollinger, Tara Whittle, Ida Umfers. David Johnson, Phil Munson, Donnie Pierce, Valerie Drew, Tom Keekley, 
Andre Torres, Paul Moorhead, William Maudlin, John Capaletti, Stephen Finsali, Aaron Willard, Billy Blackwell, Michael Dialosa, Tana Feliz, Anne Seip, our friend Michael Hagen, Mary Collis, Kathleen Rogers, Hans Noodleman, and John Wood. Thanks a lot. And if you want to support us, you can support us on Patreon.com. One quick note about that. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned this last episode, but you can now do annual um, plans with us. Plans with us. So if you don't want to give a monthly payment, but you wanted to like do kind of maybe a larger like one lump sum every year, you can do that on our Patreon now. So um, yeah, I set that up recently. Sweetness. So um, Andy, can you tell folks where to find you on the internet? Yeah. Uh, Social um, medias. Who's we'll find me in Japan? Um, <laughs> the coffee yeah. shops. Yeah. Um, I, i'm at um you can find all my stuff at uh andy.wtf and i think i'm gonna put something about this trip and about kitaboshi on Woodclinched, my long-suffering pencil blog so you find have me to. there. i know yeah that's me how are you tim currently you can find me in baltimore maryland last time i was in this room i was putting aquaphor on a fresh tattoo oh. <laughs> You try not to get shot by Johnny's Nerf gun. I'll try that. We went through that earlier today. I have a lot more. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Wassum, and I'm on Instagram at Timothy Wassum. So, and I'm Johnny. I'm at PencilRevolution.com and on so the social medias at Pencilution. And we are, of course, Erasable. You can find us at Erasable.us. This episode will be at Erasable.us slash 207. And we are on social media at Erasable Podcast and on Facebook, what are we? Facebook.com slash Erasable Podcast. And then the groups is Facebook.com slash groups slash Erasable Podcast for what is definitely one of the top 10 kindest corners of the internet. Even though I myself don't go there enough lately, but whenever I actually am having a crabby day, I'll go on there. And that Aww. makes me feel a lot better. And then I get a shopping list, which later makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for checking this out. Next week, uh, I think Andy's going to be here. 